Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nelson, and today in our study of Isaiah 58, 1-5, we're going to be looking at Desiring Man. So, if that title is familiar to you, um, John Piper wrote a book called Desiring God, and so the first section of Isaiah 58 talks about, you know, the pleasures of man, and then the second is pleasures of God. Um, Shout out to John Oswald for that nice breakdown. Um, And so I was like, pleasures of man and pleasures of God. So I was like, oh, that reminds me of desiring God. So I was like, I know what I'll do, desiring man. So that's where that title comes from. So we're going to read the passage um, in ESV, and I encourage you to follow along as we study. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness, and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure, and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel, and to fight, and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, and a day acceptable to the Lord? So first, let's get some backstory. So remember that this is post-exilic. I think I said that right. This is written to people who are coming out of the exile. They are out, and now they're back in the land. And remember the covenantal system, okay? Isaiah's job, it is to remind them of the Mosaic Covenant because obviously Jesus has not come back yet to bring in the New Covenant. So first, let's diagnose Israel's problem. Because if you listen carefully, you know that there is a problem. If you were just like not paying a lot of attention, you would have thought this is good. You know, fasting, good. You know, uh, delighting to draw near to God, really good, you know. So why is this bad? So we need to understand that Israel is deceiving themselves. Okay, Israel is fooled. From the surface, and that is the point of this passage, from the surface, this passage looks positive, but on a careful reading, it's negative, okay? Israel, really, Isaiah is a fantastic writer. You should read this the first time and say, oh, this is good, but then read through again and be like, oh, this isn't good. Because with Israel, on the outside, they were doing everything right. You know, they were going to church or, well, the synagogue or, you you know, you know what I mean. They were fasting. They were humbling themselves, all sorts of good things. But it was not creating a change of heart. Okay, we see this in their nine to five, in their work. They're oppressing their workers. They're quarreling. They're fighting. They're hitting with a wicked fist. That's not showing godliness. You know, your quiet time or your devotional life is only 30 minutes of your day. You work eight hours a day if you have a full-time job or around that. And so we see that if, it's pretty obvious, if if your work life is not showing godliness, you have a big heart problem, okay? And that's exactly what was happening with Israel. They were, you know, they were going to the temple, they were going through the motions, 
and even daily, you know, most of us, we can't even open our Bible every day. These people, they're seeking God daily, but they are still having heart problems. And we see that even outward humility is not good enough. God is concerned with the heart. And that was Israel's problem. Israel had a strong tendency to go into legalism, which would have killed them in the end if their hope was not in God to save them, but it was in their righteousness, then they would have problems. They would not be growing. They would be backsliding because they were trusting in themselves. If they're doing what's right in their own eyes, then they are probably headed towards punishment. I mean, let's look at the Old Testament. You know, if they are trusting in God, if their faith is in God to save them, if they are from the heart doing right things, then they have success. Again, read through the Old Testament, you'll see it. But if they are seeking their own way, then they've got some problems. And so now let's diagnose our problem. You know, after reading this, I was like, oh man, this has applications to us, you know. So we see that we struggle with legalism too. You know, that's not really a secret. You know, there are many, many, many quote-unquote Christians who go to church on Sunday. They even go to church on Wednesday night but their life isn't different. You know, they may, and this is what's really sad, you know, I, you know, it's not, it's terrible that people go to church and aren't saved, but it's even worse when people, you know, read their Bible every day and pray, and they still don't have heart change. That really is a scary thing, because, you know, I read the Bible every day, but knowing that that doesn't save me, you know, Obviously, my faith is in Jesus, but it's also like scary realizing that, you know, my hope is not even in good works, okay? Knowing that I could be, you know, going through this, going through these motions, it's not a security blanket. You know, in church, we always hear about the preacher who's like, you know, you know, there's always these people who go to church Sunday and Wednesday, but... Us at home, you know, who read a Bible, we're like, oh, yeah, we're safe from that. I read my Bible, you know, and Isaiah's like, that's not good enough. Seeking God daily is not good enough. Oh, my goodness, Isaiah, calm down, you know, <laughs> whoa, but that's what we're seeing here. We are seeing that reading the Bible every day, praying every day cannot save you. It's not going to save you. I love KB's EP 100, okay? It's not, KB is a Christian rapper who I really enjoy listening to, and I love his album, one, or it's not an album, it's an EP 100 for two reasons. One, it sounds really good in my car. The bass is like at the perfect amount, so it doesn't overwhelm my speakers, but it's also a lot of bass there, you know? I really like that about it. And the other reason I like it is because the point of the album, a strong theme in it, is that his success is measured in faithful service. It's a matter of the heart. It's not how many people listen to him. It's not, you know, how many records he sells. All sorts of normal measures of success. You know, what KB's concerned with is, am I being faithful with what God has given me? It reminds me of Jesus and the parable of the talents. You know, one man was given five talents. And mind you, a talent is a boatload of money. It's, I think it's shoot. I think it's 20 years worth of a laborer's wage. 
So just think about what you've been making for the past 20 years, and then that's a talent, okay? That's a lot of money. And one man has given five of those talents, so a 100 years worth of work, his life savings. And then another man is given two years worth of work, and then one man is given one. And only, and one of them, he just decides to bury the money, okay? He was not faithful. He said, I wasn't given enough. I'm going to bury it. You know, that's not okay. The other men, the five man, he did what was right. He invested it. And then the two man, really, that's most of us. We, most of us, you know, have not been given gifts, you know, we're not, I mean, we've been given gifts, but, you know, we're not super famous Christians, we're not the pastor, and that can be discouraging if we have a wrong view of success. If we view success as how many people are listening to us, then it's going to bring us down. But if we view success like the man with two talents did, who said, my success is measured in, am I being faithful with what I'm given? It's okay if I'm not Billy Graham and I don't save 5 million people or, you know, however many people Billy Graham led Christ. If I'm faithful in my sphere of influence, if I'm faithful at work, if I'm faithful at home, if I'm faithful at church, wherever I'm at, that is faithful labor. And I need, we need to ask ourselves, do we fool ourselves with this quiet time salvation mentality? Or do we think, you know, well, I read my Bible and I sort of enjoy it, so I'm probably good. That's not good enough. If the rest of our day is consumed with our own desires, we need a heart check, not a checklist, okay? Throw away your checklist. Check yourself. Okay, are you reading the Bible and then seeing change? Or are you reading the Bible to quell or to silence your conscience? You know, are you just doing it out of legalism? If your hope is in your Bible, in, in that you are hoping that going through a Bible reading plan will save you, that's not going to work. The end of, you ask Pharisees. You know, the end of year, Pharisees memorized huge portions of scripture, okay? They were incredible studiers of the Bible, yet they ended up in hell. Why? Because their trust was not in Christ. Christ wants to save you, and he wants your heart changed. If your heart has not been changed by Jesus Christ, I beg you, Go to him in faith. Give your life to him. He wants to save you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Adopted Believers Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out at our website, adoptedbelievers.com, for episodes and other resources. And like us on Facebook at Adopted Believers.